Now, the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. Good morning and welcome to the Tuesday edition of the program. I'm Bobby Curran. Along with Liz Stacy, and between us, we'll try and bring you the complete world of sports, pros, colleges, high schools, other sporting events taking place here with guests and giveaways and your phone calls. 296-1420 is the number. And we got a couple of things to, uh, to get to right off the bat. And I wanted to start with a little bit of football because last night's Monday night football game, some people will say, well, it was 2017, great game. I didn't think it was a great game. I thought it was as sloppy as all get out. And I just didn't feel like that was quality NFL football. And I expect more from both of those teams and both of those quarterbacks. I thought both of the quarterbacks got rattled at times, although I did think Dak Prescott got the better of, of Justin Herbert at the end. And that's the reason, largely, that the Dallas Cowboys won. Uh, it's interesting to me that the Dallas Cowboys are not great this year. But yet they may be a playoff team because they're 4-2 and two now. Now I'm looking at the second best records, and that's it. They have the second best record in the national conference in the NFC. So I, I suppose you would say they're very likely to make the playoffs and if, if present trends continue. And that may be what's required to keep Mike McCarthy employed. Frankly, I don't know how Brandon Staley is still employed, the, uh, the coach for the Chargers, because it – they seem to make a lot of questionable decisions on the sidelines. And Jason Herbert, the bloom is a little... Do you remember a couple of years ago, people were saying, how could someone have drafted Tua Tango Vailoa ahead of Justin Herbert? I'm sure you remember it, because it, it was out there. It was loud and clear. In fact, guys like Mike Tannenbaum, who is sort of a respected analyst, he's been the Jets GM and the Dolphins GM, and he was saying, this is just a terrible mistake. How could they make this mistake? What do you think now, Mike? I just think that the the proof was in the pudding, and the pudding tastes pretty good. Now, Grant, the people say, well, he's got weapons. So he was only bad when he had no offensive line and limited weapons? Is that the point? Because I think that's silliness. I think this is a very good quarterback. I think he was always better, more accurate, more unflappable than Justin Herbert. And even though Justin Herbert's supposed to be the big bad boogeyman, I don't see it. I mean, he's the nice quarterback, but I, you know, this stuff is the next big thing. Anyway, is anyone seeing that? Because I'm not. Go ahead if you have something. 808-296-1420. We got a couple things I want to get to. And, you know, people will say that, oh, really, it's just the Eagles. Well, how good did the Eagles look? I would say the 49ers. I would write off to that game, that loss, more of a fluke than I would the uh, Eagles losing to the Jets. I, I just, I'm saying it was a poor game for Mr. Hurts. Jalen Hurts was not his usual self, uh, but that's okay because no quarterback has a full season. No quarterback has 17 great games in a year. It just doesn't happen. So I think we have, we have to recognize that the speed of the game is influencing that stuff. You guys aren't going to be great every game. But there are times when you expect, and I'll give you a 
classic case in point. Now, even though he did the job last night, I find that there's been a number of occasions which I found Dak Prescott's performance wanting. I mean, I you know what if you're gonna make the big dough, aren't there some expectations that come with that? And don't get me wrong, not everybody answers the bell every time. I I sat and listened to the New York media chirping about, oh my God, Danny uh, Jones, Daniel Jones with the you know two with the hundred and sixty million dollar contract, how crazy. Well, compare look what the Giants are getting out of Danny Dimes compared to what the Cleveland Browns are getting for their $252 million over in Cleveland. I would say, hmm, I, I would say the Giants got the better of those two deals. Just saying. Now, you might not agree with that, and a lot of people don't like Jones. They hate the fact that he's the fourth fastest quarterback in the league. I, I don't know why that bugs people so much, but he is. He, maybe because he looks like Howdy Doody. And he, there he is taking off, and he's the fourth. According to NFL Focus, he's the fourth fastest quarterback in the NFL. Now, I, I'll i give you this. I don't always think it looks like that, although sometimes I'm saying, whoa, look at this guy's running away from people. But not all the time. It doesn't happen every second so or every single snap. But he's pretty athletic, surprisingly so. And uh, I don't know when he'll be back, if he'll be back this week. Or when, because that those neck injuries can be funny, and he's got one right now. So we got a couple of things to get to. We don't even know if if uh, Mr. McCaffrey's playing against the Vikings. I mean, I I have no idea if that's going to happen. The one thing you do know is McCaffrey's pretty tough. Christian McCaffrey does not sit out unless he absolutely has to. The injury is to his rib cage, and that happened in the 1917 loss to the Cleveland Browns. He's, uh, he's taking MRIs, so they're all waiting on the imaging, according to Kyle Shanahan. Right, listen, no very few players get through a season unscathed. That just isn't how it works. Nine minutes past six o'clock. Go ahead if you have something, and uh, if you want to uh, deliver it to us, you feel free. It's 808-296-1420. You can either uh, text us or call us on that same number. I have to say, with a few exceptions, I'm somewhat, and two is one of them. I'm pretty disappointed in the quarterback play this year. I don't. Maybe the defensive uh, strategies are catching up with the offenses, and it's making the quarterbacks wilt under the pressure. I, I think you could make that case certainly, because we're seeing guys under pressure all the time. And by the way, did you see the hit that? Uh, Mr. Parsons, Michael Parsons, put on our own quarterback at the end of that one, Justin Herbert. He put a lick on him and, and hadn't really done much. I think he had one, one, I don't even know if it was the tackle or a contact, I think they called it, for three quarters. Michael Parsons did not have one of his great, but in the fourth quarter, well, they say the great players step up because that lick he laid on Justin Herbert. I wasn't sure he was getting up. That was a brutal stick. Not clean, mind you. I'm not saying that. It's, it's perfectly clean. But that, those are the kind of things you can understand why quarterbacks get happy feet. All right, I wanted to get into this a little bit. You'll, you'll be happy to know that Bill's running back, Damian Harris, if you watch the game uh, during the Buffaloes win over the Giants, and I did sit through that, first of all, because I was shocked the Giants stayed close, so close. But when Damian Harris... 
hurt his neck. Uh, and now we don't know. He's out of the hospital. Okay, we've got Miles on the line. What's up, Miles? Hey, welcome back hey. to the station. Thanks. Uh, What's going on? Yay. Wow. What happened to the UH football this weekend? Well, I mean, they didn't win the game. I thought they, I thought they put on a pretty entertaining show, as Coach Chang said. But too many mistakes. When they start, yeah, again. When they limit the mistakes, they'll start to win games. It's as simple as that. You can't yeah. make that many mistakes and win. Not against a team with, a, with probably the better roster than Hawaii has in San Diego State. Yeah, but what happened to the fumble that when they were fumbling? It was Hawaii ball or San Diego ball? Well, you know, I, I am tired of trying to figure out officials because even in the NFL games, and they were, I saw a little article yesterday when they were talking about, are these guys any good? The Dean Blandinos and the Mike Pereiras and, you know, all that, that crap. And sometimes they're saying, look, these guys are afraid. They don't want to challenge the NFL. They don't want the NFL to feel like it's being challenged on the officiating. You think like Dallas Cowboys, Dallas Cowboys won yesterday. They beat the Chargers. Yeah, by three points. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I didn't, well, didn't look great doing it, but thanks for the call, Miles. Yeah, let's see if they can win in the road. Go Bulls. All right, 13 minutes. I actually am going to predict that Hawaii will beat New Mexico this week. I'll just give you the little comparative score thing because Hawaii beats New Mexico State and New Mexico State beat New Mexico. I don't have much more evidence for it than that, except that New Mexico is struggling. It's uh, 13 minutes after 6 o'clock. We're going to take a timeout, and then we'll switch gears. In segment number two, we'll go to Brad Davidson, assistant coach for the Rainbow Warrior basketball team. Now, just a reminder, you want to check out and win a $1,000 grand prize? You can also win $100 in weekly prizes. And ESPN Honolulu's Pigskin Picks brought to you by M. Dyer Global and Young's Fish Market. Visit ESPNHonolulu.com right now to register. Welcome back to the Tuesday edition of the Bobby Curran Show. And I want to introduce a special guest right now. UH assistant basketball coach Brad Davidson is joining us. And uh, interesting stuff, interesting times, especially this week, Brad, because you got a lot going on. you got kind of a fun thing coming up on Thursday in the, with the uh, tip-off banquet. And then on Friday, it gets serious with the exhibition against St. Mary's. Yeah, a very busy week uh, for us. The the tip-off event was my first last year, and um, uh, previously the, the year before we'd we'd done it um, over like a Zoom. Um, and the tip-off event's obviously a, a, a great thing for us to be able to get in and meet everybody and, and show everybody a little bit of our program. And, and this year, it's uh, you know great people coming to um, take care of it for us and 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 join in, and it's going to be really exciting. I have a, I'm going to take a guess on this one for you. Now, a lot of the players look at this as, you know, it's the opportunity to get dressed up, put on the Ritz a little bit. Who do you think is going to be the best-dressed player on Thursday evening? Uh, it's going to be a competition between them all. Uh, Cody Williams and uh, Javon McClanahan are the, the two fashion guys, I feel like, on our team. So they'll be dueling it out to, to see who's got the best and most over-the-top outfits. That's great. I, I, we've always had we've always had a couple of players that have really gone for it. 
on this thing, and it's a fun event, as you say. Uh, we get to be, you get to meet a lot of people, and that's fun, and, and uh, hopefully raise a little money. I mean, there's a lot of good things that go along with that. Let, let me get to this, Brad. I don't know if you agree. In your three years, I, I would have to say this is the most depth this team has had. Do you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. At, at practice each day, you, you never know who's going to shine. And you, you can sit there and think, oh, somebody's been a little bit quiet the last few days, and then they'll come out and be one of the best at practice. It's, uh, yeah, top to bottom, it's, it's the best talent uh, I've had in the, my time here. Which is interesting because, uh, you know, I, I was not sure what to expect. This year you're guard heavy. I mean, I'm just looking down the roster. I mean, you've got a lot of guys that can play there. I mean, Javon and, uh, and Noel and, of course, Juan. I mean, those guys are good, but there's other, there's others that can play. I mean, I, I was watching Ryan Rapp the other day. He's a taller guard, but that kid can play too. And he's from, uh, he's from your side of the, the ocean, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, he had um, three years at Washington State and then, and then transferred to us last year, but had foot surgery before he got here and it ended up lingering for him. But he, he's had a, a, an amazing off season and um, is in great shape and, and then Tom Beattie's also come in, a, a freshman guard from New Zealand who's a little further along than, than what we thought as well. So the, the guard depth is there. Um, and, you know, hopefully that, that helps if there's a, you know, a touch wood, a, a minor injury that, that happens during the season or, or foul trouble that there's guys there that can uh, pick up the flat. You know, one of the things that, uh, that I've noticed about and I like watching him because he's got so much intensity Maybe not the skill level some of the other guys, but Cody Williams is just a dog. I wouldn't want him guarding me. <laughs> no, he's, he's one of our best defenders, um, and his shooting improved over the offseason. He worked really hard on that as well. Uh, so, you know, another person that you feel comfortable putting in a game. And he, he played important minutes for us last year, especially in the Diamond Head. So, yeah, another year of uh, maturity for him. And, uh, yeah, you know, he'll be, he's looking for a big season as well. Wanted to ask you about another player. He's an Ivy League transfer in Matthew Cotton. I've seen him do a couple of good things at practice. Yeah, great athlete, uh, very good shooter. Um, he comes in as obviously an experienced guy that, that played on very good teams at Yale. So uh, we're expecting big things of him. He's he's taken a little bit of time just to get used to, as everyone does, get used to the, um, the system and, and how we play. And, and he's starting to play a little more instinct rather than thinking so uh, we expect him to be somebody that just improves as the season goes on what do you expect from justin mccoy uh yeah no it, you know elite shooter um he him and uh juan have been uh putting up historic numbers in our all our shooting drills uh yeah it's just a, a pure shot that uh, you, you enjoy watching and uh, I enjoy rebounding for him because I don't have to run too much. Yeah, he's always going through the net. But, uh, yeah, he's, he's the same as, uh, you know, like any transfer that comes in is trying to find his way. And, uh, you know, like he, he's starting to do really well. And if he's open and the ball comes to him, uh, you can expect it to be a very high percentage shot going in. Yeah, no, it's almost some guys. And one is also one of those guys that if you let him catch it squared up, go down the other end, it's over. Yeah. Yep. It's nice to have those guys around. and Because uh, I think most of the really good uh, shooters we've had here, I would say most of them are streaky. Most of them are kind of streak shooters. 
And uh, that's not really the case with these two. They seem to be always, balls always on the rim. No, co- consistent uh, shooters. And the, they grew up uh, at the in the same area, went to the same high school, and have, have been battling each other in, in shooting competitions for for a long time. So to watch those guys uh, challenge each other, they've got a, a great friendship, but also a little bit of a rivalry with with the numbers and the shooting, and it's uh, it's good to see them compete each day. You know, I don't know what your expectations are of uh, Noel Coleman, because when he first got here, I thought he was a revelation. And I thought there was a bit of a regression last year. But he looks like he's back. Yeah, he just he didn't really get going last year. He was uh, probably one of our best players at the, through the first probably seven to eight games of the season. And then once conference started, he, he just didn't have his shot and uh, just the energy that he needed. So he's also somebody that's had a good off-season. Um, he's been, you know, once again, good in our shooting numbers and everything's back to where it was uh, when he was a, you know all-league player for us. So we're, we're expecting all-league um, you know, output from him this year. There's a, bit, a lot of responsibility on him and, and we'll need him to be good for us to be good. I wanted to also ask you about Bernardo da Silva. He seems, from what I've observed at practice, much, much more, and certainly in your scrimmage the other day, I thought he was much more aggressive than I recall seeing him. Yeah, super aggressive and going against more sec each day. Uh, those two, it's just high level basketball and shot making. And, and when they score on each other, because they're both good defenders, and um, you know, like you can tell that you've made a good move, uh, they've really made each other better. And um, you know, he, he's you know, last year for him and being named captain, there's, a, there's been a, a definitely step up from him. And uh, we're expecting big things from him as well. Well, one of the downsides, if you can call it that, because next year you guys are going to have to really load up on guards. Yeah, guards and and everybody. We're, we're you know obviously we've uh, recruited two new uh, high school guards so far, and yeah, no, there's plenty to go. So we'll have six graduate, and um, yeah, the guards will be a big one for us, and we'll also need to replenish the bigs as well. Hey, tell me a little bit. I just am curious about this. When I see some of your guys, uh, like for, I'll give you an example, Harry uh, Ruliadev. I mean, did you know about him from Australia when he was a young kid? Uh, I was actually watching another player, and uh, I just kept watching, and Harry was really good. And you know, the person that I was talking to that had, had told me to talk to uh, watch one of the players. I, you know, I called them and I was like, well, this other kid's really good. He seems to be really good and their team wins all the time. Um, and just everything that came back from Harry was he was a hard worker and, uh, you know, like was a bit of a late developer coming along and, and just missed out on a few teams, so wasn't as well known. But, um, yeah, he's he's been great since he got here. He, he had um, a good freshman year for us playing behind Kamaka. Pepper, who was obviously one of our best players last year, and he just sat there and learned. And, and um, you know, he, he's come in once again in, in great shape, and he's been doing a really good job at practice. So, uh, yeah, I, I didn't think he was going to be this far along this quickly, but, uh, yeah, everything that I knew about him, I, I thought he was going to be good for us. You guys have uh, done a pretty good job recruiting uh, down under. How much credit, <laughs> yeah, no, how much credit are you going to take for that? 
Well, obviously, I'm the one with the accent and the, you know, the people there. So, uh, yeah, I'll take a little bit of credit for it. And, uh, we, we need to continue to get better at that Pacific Rim for us, New Zealand, Australia, and, and Akira Jacobs from Japan, who, who's come in and, and, and been great for us as well and did a really good job at the Under-19 World Championships this year, being the fifth leading scorer. You know, those are the, the players that we need to get around here and, and um, you know, get into our community and, and uh, feel comfortable here, so hopefully we can still get more and more of those players coming in. I'm guessing that this was not a tough sell for you to come to Hawaii after being at, what, the Dakotas? I mean, I, I don't know how you did that. <laughs> That's uh, tough. Yeah. Keep the heat on in the yeah. gym, please. <laughs> uh, it's, um, you know, like our family's had a real adventure traveling around. My wife and I met. She's Australian, but we, we met in Singapore when I was playing there. And we've, we kind of call ourselves global citizens a little bit. We've lived in different countries. So uh, it's all part of the experience. But obviously, it's very happy to be here and, and living in Hawaii. It feels, for me, it feels a lot like home as well, um, you know, like the beaches and, and, and the weather. So, yeah, no, not a hard sell to come to Hawaii, that's for sure. Well, we hope you have continued success. When I first got back to uh, first practice, I said, well, where's Brad? Did he move on? Did someone hire him away? And they said, no, no, he's recruiting. So I thought, well, that's the lifeblood of every program. Got to be able to recruit <laughs> if you're going to be good. And uh, clearly you have a handle on that. Yeah, there's been a lot of travel this year. Um, and you know, I, I do a lot of the international recruiting for us. So a lot of travel, so a lot of responsibility on my wife to take care of our family while I'm away. But uh, I love it. Uh, you know, watching international basketball is fun for me. Let me find out this from you. Did you ever come across, because Randy Bennett and St. Mary's generally has a pretty good reputation for going down under for players. Had you run into him along your travels? Yeah, when, when I was uh, working at the Centre of Excellence in Australia, where um, most of the Australian players go to. Randy was, yeah, there constantly. So uh, Randy and I would, would talk when he came through. We don't talk as much now, um, now that I'm competing for players with him. But um, no, like a lot of respect for, for what he's done with that program and um, how successful they've been, the real benchmark. And uh, obviously there's a lot of Australian players that go there, so we keep an eye on how they do each year. Well, I mean, it's been, I think the Australian basketball's come on. I mean, it was always pretty good, but it's really seemed to have taken another jump forward. Yeah, there's players littered all over Division One basketball um, that are doing well. And, yeah, they keep churning out more and more players. It's, and it's becoming more competitive to get them as well. So there's coaches constantly in Australia now trying to get players because of the reputation that they've built up. And a, a lot of that has come from St. Mary's. And, Obviously, Coach Gannott was there during you know, Matthew Delvedova's time, and uh, you know they've turned out so many players. It's it's, uh, it's been good for basketball, but also competitive recruiting now. No doubt about it. Brad Davidson, who is an assistant coach at the University of Hawaii, and I'm sure at this point, I think this applies to coaches as well as players, that you get tired of not having uh, you know a player in a different color jersey out there. It's a uh, it's tough when you got to play against yourself all the time. <laughs> yeah, the guys are looking forward to, to playing. And, um, yeah, once you start to get to beat up on somebody else and not each other, it's always more fun.
Good stuff, Brad. Thanks so much for the time, and good luck throughout the season. And thank you. And the highlight of last week was uh, having you come past practice. It was great to see you again and, and looking so well. Thanks, Brad. I appreciate you. And uh, okay. it's going to be fun this season. I think this is going to – I've said this before. I think this is going to be a really good Rainbow Warrior basketball team. Let's take a quick timeout, and we'll be right back on ESPN Honolulu. Welcome back on this Tuesday edition of the program. I wanted to get to a couple of things. I, uh, <laughs> I found this really interesting because apparently it was my mistake last week. Many of you will remember this because, I, boy, did I hear about it. But apparently I conflated uh, when someone told me that it was a tournament was canceled. I immediately went to Diamond Head. Of course, it wasn't the Diamond Head. That's scheduled as it always is. And uh, it was the Rainbow Classic, which is what the, the Diamond Head is, is now. And the Rainbow Classic has kind of fallen into disrepair a bit. It's a four-team tournament. They've had trouble fin finishing uh, the field off in that one. And so uh, my apologies, of course, for that. I'm said it before and I'll say it again. It's, I don't do that very often, but I did it that time. And I'm sure I sent some people into a, a right panic and I don't blame them. Um, I just wanted to go over the field in the Maui Invitational because that's being played at the Stan Sheriff Center as opposed to Lahaina Civic, no longer in service. And what's interesting, you got, I mean, one, two, three, four, five of the eight, you have five top 25 teams. Kansas, number one, number three is Purdue, number five, Marquette, number nine, Tennessee, and number 11, Gonzaga. That is a crazy field. And you've got some other well-known teams that just didn't make it uh, into the top 25, like, oh, oh, UCLA maybe, just a few years out of the final four. I mean, that's really, it's really a terrific field. And this is the alternate year where Chaminade gets to play. Talk about being, being uh, careful what you wish for. I mean, they, got, they drew Kansas in the first round. That's painful. I mean, that's, can't, most people can't stack up with Kansas. But uh, for Chaminade at a Division II level to try and do it, that is brutal. Um, but then even Syracuse is here and not ranked. And they're, they're a team that has won some titles in the past. So all, all good stuff. Well, I want to get to this, though. I just think that the rich are getting richer in college basketball, and here's why. The, the NIL, the name, image, likeness, where the top schools, the Dukes, the North Carolinas, the, you know, the Kansases, these teams, have Kentuckys, they have, they have almost unlimited resources. So it's nothing for them to decide that they're going to give a kid a couple of hundred grand just to come to their school. That is so far out of reach for most of the, not just, forget just lower division. It's not just like uh, that the kind of people from FCS conferences. It's also a matter of even the, the lesser schools in the big conferences oftentimes don't feel like they can do that especially the ones that don't share everything even, evenly. There's no even Steven in some of these conferences. So just because you're in the Big 12 doesn't mean you're making the same money that Oklahoma and Texas did. Of course, they're now moving up. But it's interesting because you go to the SEC, for example, and name, image, likeness is not an issue. They can get all the money they need for those schools, which is, I think, going to make it less competitive 
over time. I mean, it's just, it's going to be very, very hard for a so-called mid-major to compete with some of those schools. I, I just think that's going to be an ongoing difficulty. Wanted to get into another thing because I'm, I'm thrilled that people on Oahu will have a chance without getting pricey flights and hotel rooms to be able to see uh, this Maui Classic because it's a, I, I think this is just about as good a field as they've had. They've had others like this, but this is a spectacular one. And that will be fun for the people. And I, those tickets, I believe, are on sale now. So you can get them pretty soon. And now I have a couple of other questions about it because the Hawaii schedule is not completed yet. The conference schedule's in, but they're still scrambling to get a couple of the final games nailed down. And uh, so for any of us who do multiple things at a, a place of employment, that's, uh, you know, it puts you kind of at risk because you don't know when you're going and when you're staying and you got to book all the flights and all that stuff, which is interesting. We got a couple of things I wanted to get to. And it also involves uh, maybe a factor of NIL. I don't know exactly, but I'm talking about college football. And again, the richer getting richer. And I think I've predicted this. What's going to happen as you get these super conferences where some of these schools now are gravitating, like the Pac-12 is no more. It's really the Pac-2 now until they decide what they're going to do with Oregon State and Washington State. But here's how this works. So some of the schools are not getting full whack right away. You transfer to another big conference, you move over and you go. But everybody thinks, wow, they're going to be making you know, the 80 million the rest of them. Not quite, not right away. Some of them will have to work into it. And uh, some have a whole series of years before they get anything. Which is interesting that teams will take that dive because they feel like in the long term, this is where they're better off. This is what the, why they want to go. I, for one, think it's crazy that Cal and Stanford are going to be in the ACC. That is the Atlantic Coast Conference, everybody, for those that haven't remembered that. So I have two West Coast teams that are in the Atlantic Coast Conference seems just nuts to me, but it's a sign of where we're going. It's all about the Benjamins. It's as simple as that. And with that will come you know, transfers and all kinds of people into the portal. They are now, the NCAA is now considering, I haven't finalized it, but they're considering putting a, kind of the brakes on that for men's basketball and football. They're going to tighten it down in terms of the transfer portal. Because what's happening is if you're a young player, let's say you're a football player at the University of Hawaii and you have a great year, sort of like a Ophelia Ashlock, I mean, you know that some of the bigger schools, particularly in his, he's from Texas, so you can imagine that some of those big 12 schools are going to come with a wheelbarrow full of money. And it takes a very strong kid to resist that and say, you know what, I'm good here. I think I'm learning. I'm learning a lot. I'm, I got great teammates. I'm in a good position. That will happen for some people, but a lot of them are going to jump for the money. And that's just... I think we've really opened Pandora's box with this. I don't see that changing very much. I just think that's very likely to keep happening. And, uh, and, and I think it's a shame. We, we lost a lot of people uh, the year before when Todd Graham was, uh, well, shall we say, left the program. And, uh, and so many of those good players transferred. I mean, because they were looking, well, he's not, we don't have any reason to be here, so we're going. And I mean, I just thought, Darius Moosal, among others, 
they just took off for, for bigger schools. Now, I don't know how much of those involved NILs at the time, but I would suspect some of them cashed in. And I think that's inevitable. I don't see how you stop it. Once this thing, uh, once you open Pandora's box, that's it. I mean, it's gonna, I can't even see dialing this back at this point. It's going to be very, very difficult. Let's do this. Let's take a quick timeout. And when we come back, we've got our final segment looming. Stay with us on The Bobby Curran Show, ESPN, Honolulu. Welcome back on this Tuesday edition of the program. Thrilled you're along for the ride. Time for us to give something away. I got a pair of tickets to women's volleyball Saturday night versus UC Riverside. If you would like to go, we'll go ahead and, uh, and dial in. If you do, we will uh, at 808-296-1420, and you can answer a question correctly. We will uh, we'll award you the pair of tickets. And there is... <laughs> And this is going to be the easiest question I can think of regarding women's volleyball this year. So go ahead and, uh, and call us right now. We got Mary on the line. Mary, how are you? I'm good, Bobby. Here you go. Now, there is, I don't think there's any doubt in almost anyone in this conference's mind about who Hawaii's best player is. Who will be in the running again for Player of the Year in the Big West from this Rainbow Wahine team? Uh, I think it's Amber Ajiyi. You are absolutely right, and you've got a couple of tickets for the UC Riverside match, so stay on the line and give Liz your information so we make sure you get those tickets. Okay, thanks, Bobby. Well, well done. And uh, it's 54 minutes past the hour. I, I thought I, was, I would close with this because... I don't know if anybody else is struck by this, but I'm just amazed how poor some of the quarterbacking is, even by so, the so-called best in the game. Now, I would say the one person who generally, I find, is exempt from that, generally, would be Patrick Mahomes from the Kansas City Chiefs. But I've seen Josh Allen look lousy. I mean, the guy who I just can't even believe is still around is Kirk Cousins. And people say, look at the numbers, the numbers are great. Okay, how are the wins and the losses? They're not so good. I mean, I'm just saying. They're not very good, and that's, that's interesting. Okay, and we could go elsewhere. How good is Mac Jones, for example? I just think from the New England Patriots. I would say not so hot. And even some of the youngsters that are supposed to be so good, um, are they going to be? We'll find out. I'll tell you who is surprisingly good is Sam Howell. Uh, maybe just because the expectations with the commanders Weren't that high for him out of North Carolina, but he has proved to be remarkably tough, and I think he's a heck of a player. I, I think he's a heck of a player that could be around a long time. And, but I do see a number of places where, hmm, I don't know, is, is, you have to wonder, is Deshaun Watson ever going to be great? It, are we at the beginning of an incessant and endless uh, piece of tiny injuries that seem to be enough to keep him out. I, I just have to wonder if that whole scandal with the massage uh, workers and all that, if that didn't just throw him off mentally. 
I kind of think it well might have. Well, we're going to talk of in, in the upcoming days, we'll be talking about some of these make or break quarterbacks. Also, tomorrow, we are going to have uh, Randy Bennett, St. Mary's head coach. So good stuff coming up. Are we about out of time, Liz? We are about out of time. Sports Animals up next. Thanks uh, to Liz Stacy from all of us at ESPN Honolulu. I'm Bobby Curran. Aloha.